I am so excited to share today's interview with you. I think you're going to find that you'll be laughing and learning at the same time. I know I was. And just wanted to give you a heads up though, that we are talking about how to have a great love life and there is adult content. So you're going to want to grab some earbuds if you have little ones around. Okay, let's get into the show. Here we go. And I think, you know, my other privilege of, of realizing there's a problem is because the gynecologists only treat women, right? They're swimming in the pool of just women. Yeah. I swim in the pool of, I take care of men. Interesting. Right. So I see how we treat men and I see how we treat women and I see how we treat them differently. Oh, wow. So I think that gives me a special insight that the gynecologists are like, they don't get it. They don't get that. Like a guy also loses testosterone as he ages. Guys also have sexual dysfunction as they age, right? This is not a unique to a female problem is what I'm saying. Yes. We never tell like a 48 year old guy, like, well, this is just what happens now. Sorry, your (laughs) penis is soft. Like, have you tried acupuncture? Like we don't talk to them that way. And we, that's how we talk to women. It's ridiculous. I'm not laughing because it's funny, but it's like, it's sad, it's sad, funny. Yeah. Sad. It's sad, funny. It's sad, sad, funny. funny. But yeah, Um, we don't, we don't take a guy and be like, I'm sorry that your testosterone is declining. Have you tried just like having a glass of wine and realizing you're getting old? Like we don't <laughs> talk to guys that way. And yeah. for women, like we're so dismissive and we, yes. you know, our, our whole culture throws this natural word around like a weapon. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back to the latest season of the Good Life Coach podcast. Today we are going to be talking about sex and joining us to have that conversation is Dr. Kelly Kasperson, who is a urologic surgeon, author, sex educator, and top international podcaster whose mission is empowering women to live their best love lives. We have a lot to learn on the subject and we will be diving in today. She's the author of You Are Not Broken, Stop Shitting All Over Your Sex Life. And this book was fantastic, cannot recommend it enough. And in addition, Dr. Kelly identified the need for better resources and developed a sex education membership for women that covers topics like sexual health, intimacy, mind work, and the science of desire. She combines education, humor, and candor in her podcast. and. On her her podcast, You Are Not Broken, which is a top podcast you guys should also check out, where she dismantles the myths women have learned and normalizes healthy, enjoyable sex worth desiring. Welcome, Dr. Kelly. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited to have your expertise on the show. And I'm realizing four years in, I've not covered sex and I've wanted to, but I'm actually really happy that you're the first person I'm having this conversation with about it because you've got the medical background. And then I found so many of the facts in your book really interesting in terms of how the medical field is so geared towards men and that you even learned. So can you, I think the women listening would be really interested to hear how did somebody who was, or still is a urological surgeon entered into, you know, creating this membership and a whole podcast and this book all around empowering 
people to have more enjoyable sex lives? Yeah, it's a great question. It, it came like when you look back, like it all makes sense. You know, that, that Steve Jobs speech of like, it all makes sense when you look backwards. Yes, <laughs> right? I call like, it the through line. Yes, yes, totally. Like yes. it all makes sense when I look backwards on it, but I, I couldn't have told you that this is what's happening. But my mom was a big like 60s hippie feminist, okay. was very much about equality. And so I kind of just grew up with that yes. um, in my mind. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Women can do everything. Went to med school. Like, <laughs> yeah, right, mom. You know, she's like she's like making fun of my Snoop Dogg CDs for, you know, them being misogynist. And I'm like, well, this is the best hip hop ever, mom. Like I'm fighting her on it. And now I'm like, oh my God, that hip hop is horrific to women. Thank, thanks mom. But like, so my mom <laughs> definitely had, like, I am who I am because of that kind of feminist viewpoint that I had yes. and then went to med school. And it, to be a woman in med school, you really have to get rid of the female part to fit in, right? Like you're there you're there to kind of fit in and get along and not really rock any boats. And so I, I did that. I loved surgery. I became a surgeon. We took care of the men. We're very, very comfortable with men's sexual function. So that kind of all tied in. And then about seven years into practice, I was getting a little bored. You're like you get really good at your job, right? Yes. Like it's the same stuff over and over. And you're like, oh my God, I'm just going to see recurrent UTIs for the rest of my career. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? Okay. And yeah. And so I, I you get the seven year itch, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I had this life-changing patient and she was crying in my office and she had an amazing marriage, but she had no desire. They had a sexless marriage and like literally the lightning struck my head as I was handing her Kleenex of like, I have no idea what to do. Interesting. Like none. And I was like, aren't the gynecologists taking care of this? Like who we give all the Viagra to the men. Yes. Who's taking care of the people that they're going home with like rock star penises with now. Right. And did anybody <laughs> let that, is anybody addressing the the partner who's like majority female? Right. Yes. And so like, I just started to be like, maybe, maybe we don't know anything. I was told in residency that women were difficult and we would never figure them out, which is like kind of an offhanded compliment of like, don't worry, you're just too, like, you're too complicated. And uh, then you realize like, it's just a way to dismiss, dismiss oh, the, the, the subject. And so I started diving deep and like learned a ton about like, there's some decent research on female sexuality and how it's different than the penis and how it's also very similar to the penis. The clitoris is the penis. They all started out in the same. And um, then I realized like, but it's not being disseminated. Like it's, people aren't getting, the researchers aren't out there being like, did you realize that? heterosexual women in midlife have like this desire problem. And these are the reasons why, especially when they're partnered with men. I'm like, these are, this is amazing research. <laughs> and it's not, it's not getting out there. We're still getting Hollywood top 10 country hits being like, you better have spontaneous desire, the simultaneous orgasm, and you're going to be hot and wet for your whole life. <laughs> and it should just be natural. And so we're all feeling like super shitty, right? <laughs> yes. So the, the point is, I was like, I can't do enough good just being in clinic anymore. And like, I'm not going to see enough people. I'm not going to help enough people. And the need is huge. And then like vis-a-vis -vis that, people were like, well, what about menopause though? Because, you know, in menopause, then there's no sex. Like, like it's this fact, right? And I'm wow. like, well, I, I don't know. I should do the research on that too. And so I started researching menopause and what's the deal with hormones and do horm hormones actually help your sex function and how do they help? And so like my niche really switched to like, not just sex, but also hormones in midlife combined with the fact that you can't talk about sex much on Instagram. Like you keep getting blocked and kicked off oh, when you say it. interesting. Yeah. So like oh. the, the podcast is really the only place where I can be like labia, clit clitoris, 
right? Without getting because it's a terms and condition violation for using uh, obscene language on Instagram. Which well, is that's the like, problem that that's a, considered obscene problem. language. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A female part, body. Yeah, part. yeah. It's like saying elbow, or it should be. But so I, a lot of my Instagram is menopause and hormones because I won't get blocked when I sit, talk about those things. And I'm also very now passionate about hormones and menopause because my listeners were like, what about sex and menopause? Yeah. So there, that's the evolution of me. Thanks, mom. Well, thanks to your mom and thanks to you for what you're doing to educate everyone. And I want to unpack a lot of the stuff you even just talked about in, you know, your trajectory of how you got there. Um, I'm curious pre this, like, did women come to see you for sex issues? Like, who do you go to see? Like you said, you thought it was the gynecologist. Is it not the gynecologist? Like if somebody has low libido, sex drive, vaginal dryness, who should they be seeking out? We, we, my hope is that you yes. can go to any primary care doctor, gynecologist, or urologist. Like that's my hope. Yeah. But, but it's simply doctors are not trained in this. You know, medical school is very patriarchal. Um, women it like you don't need to have an orgasm to reproduce right so it's kind of thought of like this like accessory bonus body part yeah um we're really not taught on it a lot at all and so i hear and i didn't realize this just you know just being a doctor right but yes. once you once you're on instagram once you have podcasts people start talking to you from all over the world and you yes. realize how, how bad it is out there and like, I'm on my fourth doctor. I'm on my fifth doctor. They say they just don't believe in hormones. You know, they just told me to drink a glass of wine. Uh, you know, all of these stories that you hear of like, it's bad out there right now. Oh, wow. I I keep hearing this and I've had other doctors on. I mean, the way that women are dismissed in the traditional medical model and mm -hmm. it's, it's not okay. But I feel like women like you who are using creating a platform and using it to educate others is changing the conversation. And that I, it, it makes me hopeful for the future and what's possible. Yeah. So. It's been super fun. Like for me, when people come on Instagram and they respond to me and they're like, because of you, I went in and I got my vaginal estrogen cream because of you. I went in and I got on my hormones because of you. I talked to my husband because of you. I'm having better sex. Like all of this stuff. I'm like, I gotta keep going. Like it's working. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing is working. I'm, you know, it's, it's helping people. Um, and that's really what drives me to, to keep coming down to my basement and talking about this. <laughs> well, I think part of the challenge for women is that because no one's talking about it and they may or may not be talking about, let's say, for example, menopause with a mother, but maybe the mother's past, you know, they may not have somebody to talk to about it or uh, it's just taboo. It seems like once you're in it, even now, like I feel like a lot of friends don't really talk about it unless you broach the subject and then they want it engaged, but we don't even necessarily know the questions to be asking. And then I have heard what you mentioned where people go to their doctor and they're like, here's an antidepressant or, uh, you know, it's just, this is a normal phase, you know, deal with that kind of response. And I just, yeah. that's not okay. Well, it's, it's not. And I think, you know, my other privilege of, of realizing there's a problem is because the gynecologists only treat women, right? They're swimming in the pool of just women. Yeah. I swim in the pool of, I take care of men. Interesting. Right. So I see how we treat men and I see how we treat women and I see how we treat them differently. Oh, wow. So I think that gives me a special insight that the gynecologists are like, you know, they don't get it. They don't get that. Like a guy also, you know, loses testosterone as he ages. Guys also have sexual dysfunction as they age, right? This is not a unique to a female problem is what I'm saying. Yes. We never tell like a 48 year old guy, like, well, this is just what happens now. Sorry, your <laughs> penis is soft. Like, have you tried acupuncture? 
Like we don't <laughs> talk to them that way. And we that's how we talk to women. It's ridiculous. I'm not you know, laughing because it's funny, but it's like it's mine. Sad. It's yes, it's, it's sad funny. Yeah, sad. It's yeah. sad funny. It's sad, it's sad funny. funny. But yeah, um, we don't we don't take a guy and be like, I'm sorry that your testosterone is declining. Have you tried just like having a glass of wine and realizing you're getting old? <laughs> like we don't talk to guys that way. And yeah. for women, like we're so dismissive and we, yes. you know, our, our whole culture throws this natural word around like a weapon yeah. of like, yes, menopause is natural. It is going to happen to everybody who has ovaries around the age of 51 or later or before then. Like it's a very natural thing that happens, but yeah. breaking your femur falling down is also very natural. And we're not like, you know, it's just natural to break bones when you fall. Like, sorry. Like yeah. we help, we help things that are painful, even though they're natural. Totally. Right. And so it's like this, this word of natural is like, I had this uh, lady yesterday and she's on hormones and she's so like angry and upset about being on the hormones. Cause she's like, I wish I could just do this natural. Uh-huh. And I'm like, how was the natural experience for you? And she's like, I was miserable. I lost all my muscles. I couldn't sleep. My hot flashes were horrible. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's natural and we can help it. <laughs> Right. right. And it's like totally. people get hung up. They get hung up on this natural thing. Like it's close to God or something like that. And it's like modern medicine is here to help a lot. We we help dry eyes. Like dry eyes are natural. Like it's this, this word natural, pro, like it prevents so many women from getting care. And it's a great way to shame people. And it's so interesting. You just word that you use the word shame because that's what I was thinking. I'm like, this is the shame that women carry. The shame about their their sexual interest, their desire. Like we're taught be sexy, but don't be sexual, mm-hmm. right? There's yes, so many mixed, right. there's so many mis- mixed messages for women and such double standards. Yeah. And be desired, but don't desire. Right. So you can't, you can't win. And then we wonder why there's a mismatch maybe going on in the bedroom or just discomfort with talking about sex. It's funny. I was thinking of that song by Salt and Pepper, Pepper, right? Right. Uh-huh. So let's talk about sex, baby. They were kind of ahead of their time. That song yeah. came out like 13 years ago. Oh yeah. But we yeah. aren't talking about sex, right? No. Not even not, with our partners, generally speaking. No, we're not talking about it with our partners. And this is this is my advice to people is like, get comfortable talking about it when things are going good. Because yes. if you can talk about it when things are going good, you're going to be a heck of a lot better at when things are bad and it'll get bad. I promise you. I promise you it'll get bad. Like you'll, somebody will get pregnant or somebody will have breastfeeding or somebody will be going through menopause or somebody's erections won't work as well anymore. Or somebody just had, you know, a cancer scare. Or yes. the kids are acting up like sex will get bad. It'll take a, it'll <laughs> take a backseat. But if you're not good at talking about it when it's good, you're all the, all the, you know, rougher to ride the road when it gets bad and it'll get bad. I promise. Yeah. yeah. And there's things that you can do. And that's why you're also totally. here to help us understand. Well, let me ask you, because you mentioned you can't say certain words on Instagram. I think, you know, probably many of us haven't even looked at our vagina. Like we don't know what it looks like. I mean, that's, you've seen it. Our gynecologists have seen it. They know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And we don't necessarily even know the terminology. And you are a fan of using the proper terminology when it comes to our bodies, right? Like dad called his daughter's genitals her taco. And it's like, you you can't say like, well, how's the doctor know what part that is? (laughs) Like you've got to speak the same language and it's not food. 
This is not food, people. Um, yeah, so the external structure is the vulva, and within the vulva is the labia, the urethra, the clitoris, the entrance to the vagina, which is called the vestibule. Stephen, I'm right. not saying it right, so it's not the vagina. You can't see the vagina. Okay. The vagina is the, the tube of the inside. Okay, so when we the refer vagina. to it, the vagina, we're not, uh, it's we're not, not correct. Yeah. No, we've, li- we've literally made the body parts disappear, my friend. We don't talk about it. So say it again. Take Give us a quick 101, okay. because I think this is really important and very empowering for a woman to really understand. I think we know what the clitoris is. I mean, I don't know. We'll talk about oh, this. I would, not, I would not assume anybody knows where the clitoris okay, okay, is. So, okay, okay, okay. So give us I'm the like, 101. I'm like, good on you. Okay. So the vagina is the tube on the inside that basically menstrual blood will flow through, babies go through. It's an elastic tube, kind of like an accordion. It's very stretchy, which is important after menopause because it gets less stretchy. But so that's all the inside. If you just look with a mirror, you're not going to see your vagina because the vagina is basically a hollow space is kind of what the vagina is, the vaginal walls, right? Okay, yeah. And then the outside of what you're looking at without spreading any skin, that's the labia majora, and that's part of your vulva. So vulva is just all external structures. Okay. So then you can spread your labia majora, and then you can possibly, if you you know what you're looking at, you can see your urethra, you'll see the entrance to the vagina, and then up above the urethra will be the clitoral head, or just the tip of the iceberg. The majority of the clitoris wraps underneath the labia and is an external, uh, internal structure. Okay. I actually really appreciate that, because I... Uh, for me, this is an education. And I learned that, you know, when I was reading your book and even then I'm still calling, wasn't sure where, so the vagina is the internal. Um, mm-hmm. Isn't that sad? I'm almost 52. I mean, I guess I know that. That's just how, the, but how I just our, consider the whole region, is. that whole area, the vagina, well, but it's not, at least you're not calling it a taco. Like I'm definitely not. Your, your, or, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not giving it a, you know, a, it's, that's actually, that's, yeah, that's people's discomfort, especially, I mean, penis people use. Yeah, it's easier to see too. True, right? true. And people are super proud of their penises. True. Like they, that's they've been trained that way. Like we are not trained to be proud of the body that God gave us. Yeah. And it, it's like, dude, our bodies freak. They all freaking. If women didn't exist, there would be no babies. Like the popular, like our bodies are freaking amazing. Hundred percent agree. Cannot so agree more. And it's and that's the thing. And you know, I think about. And then we we conceive, you know, for those who choose to have children, and then we do go through menopause. And if men knew what we went through, through the, you know, through having a month, menstrual cycle every month and then conceiving, caring, I mean, con- caring, conceiving, and then, you know, our reward is perimenopause and menopause. It's like guys would probably, you know, they wouldn't be able to manage this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I would love to see a world where men had babies and needed to breastfeed it's like the world would be different i didn't like even mention the breastfeeding True. it's very it's very hard work um but yeah i think and what i've learned again i learned so much more just by being a podcaster and on instagram because people talk to me right and they talk to me in a way that's different than what how i get talked to in a clinic but um men want to know they want to understand they want to help they didn't get any special education that we didn't get. Like, and they don't own the body parts. So yes. they can't have this experience. Like, truly, if we think of them as allies, and the more comfortable we are with yes. being like, this this gift I have is freaking amazing, but it's yes. got some like some specs and some regulations that like I gotta figure out right now because you know, 48's rough. So, like the more comfortable we are with it, the more comfortable they are. But yeah. if they're like, dude, she's ashamed, like who am I to try to figure this out? 
Right. And then maybe they don't want to approach it too, because they don't want to make their partner who they love uncomfortable. Yeah. Or they care about uncomfortable. I love that you said that. I think I 100% agree. I think men want to be, they want to please us, you know, and we need to be empowered on how that actually happens. So talk about some of the reasons you see that women feel that they're broken and just, you know, some of the the myths that are out there so that we can start educating um, the women listening today, at least starting with this, you know, my audience. Yeah, I think the two big ones that I see is I don't have spontaneous desire. So that's a problem. And then so like desire, just lack of education of what desire is, right? Yes. Um, and, and then thinking it's like what we make it mean. Like, I don't know anything about this. And I make it mean I'm broken. Is like, okay, well, it's, it's, this is easy. And I was just telling a woman yesterday, I'm like, I don't want you to be afraid. Like, I don't care if you take hormones or don't take hormones. I don't care. I don't like, I don't have, it doesn't matter to me. I want you to not be afraid. I just, we just need to get you some education. You're going to be so much better off. Yeah, That's what it is. Like, I just teach you about desire, but you decide if it's, you still, you make it mean you feel broken. Um, so desire is a big one. Desire mismatch, right? I've got yes. a, me and my partner need to want sex the exact same right amount. Yes. That's, that's a big problem, which it doesn't need to be at all. And then number three is I don't have pleasure by putting something in my vagina. And I'm like, well, of course you don't. It's not the clitoris. It's the vagina. Okay. Like, we were taught penis and vagina sex. If we're taught anything about sex, right. And that's such a narrow view of what sex is, especially for somebody with a clitoris. Like it's like rubbing the scrotum and expecting the man to have an orgasm. It's like, you're real, <laughs> you're real close, but like, it doesn't work usually. Totally. Okay. Can you help us understand how to bust those myths then those misunderstandings? So the first in terms of spontaneous desire no, you don't have to just always want to be having sex, right? Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. Freud, 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 there are a couple of problems with Freud, but Freud basically said that vaginal orgasms are adult and clitoral orgasms are infantile. And wow. they actually had a surgery back then to try to move the clitoris closer to the vagina so you could have an orgasm via putting something in your vagina. Fascinating medical history. It didn't Only, turn- and of course they did this to women. Like men yeah, would yeah. never sign up for this. Are you kidding right. me? Yeah, 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 we're not trying to move their penises around. No. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. By the way, it didn't work. Uh, and they didn't have antibiotics. So like that's d- doing surgery. That's a bad, bad idea. But so, and then Freud said that basically libido, he kind of coined the libido of like, it's a natural instinctual drive, which if that's your belief of what it is, then then you think, well, I don't have that natural instinctual drive. There must be something wrong with me. Yes. When a lot of people, a lot of modern researchers are like, this is not like food and water and sleep. You will not die without it, right? Like (laughs) the more you are without food and sleep, the more your body's like, let's go get it. This is a problem. The less you go with without sex, the more you're kind of like, man, whatever, I could give or take. Like it's (laughs) not gonna die, right? But you will die if you don't sleep and if you don't eat. So number one is like just uh, overturning the myth that this is like a natural, spontaneous human thing of like, no, it's not. It it can tend to be in the in when you're younger and you have number one raging hormones and number two, like you're not in a committed long term relationship. So the novelty, the curiosity, the pursuing, like all of that's a drug. And they've done brain studies, like new relationships are literally cocaine equal in their like brain dopamine. Wow. And the brain thinks you're in a long-term committed relationship after about six to 12 months. <laughs> I'm on 21 years. So that's yeah, very yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> so like your brain's like, yeah, I know this person. This is not novel. 
Yeah. Like you, and you might not have spontaneous desire. The people who do have spontaneous desire still, and some of this can be testosterone and hormone driven, but people like desire is a thought we create in our brain. Yes. What are our thoughts about sex? What are our thoughts about our partner? What are our thoughts about prioritizing your, your sex life? Does yeah. it come last? Right. If it comes last, of course you might not desire it. It's last on your list. But um, realizing desire is complex and wonderful that way. And then realizing like, oh, I can create desire. I'm going to think I'm going to think better thoughts about this human that I've been in a relationship with. And because I think so many people with desire, they kind of sit in the backseat waiting for desire to like come and land in their pockets. And then they have it like it's yeah, a product totally. and like Instagram, you know, supplement companies love this. They're like, this is going to give you desire. Spend some money. And it's like, yeah. you don't need, you don't need that. No, we have our but brains. We have our brains. And there, I mean, desire is so wonderfully complex, but it's like, it is biologic. Like if you're not feeling your best and do you have body image issues and your relationships on the rocks and yes. you're super stressed, yes, like we can't, don't be surprised that you don't have desire. Right. So desire is fascinating and awesome topic. It's, and it's, desire is not a short answer, but realizing that, you know, there's spontaneous and responsive desire. So many women's lived experiences is I'm not sitting around wanting sex, but like when we're doing it or like right after we did it, I'm like, oh yeah, this sex thing's good. <laughs> totally. Like the desire comes yeah. during and the desire comes after. Yes. Like how many people are like, I forgot. I forgot how much I like that in my life. Will you remind me again? Because I forgot again, like the brains just forget. Right. right. And, and more, it's like, what do you want in your life? What do you want it to prioritize in your relationship? Then yeah. prioritize it. Don't sit around passively waiting for desire to land like a fairy godmother. It's not going to happen. Totally. Okay. That's so helpful. Is there such thing as a healthy sex life? Like it's not about how many times like a month or a year you're having. I mean, what, what defines that? Or is it so individual? It's an individual. It's, it's you, it's you and your thoughts about sex is your thoughts about sex is your sex life. Okay. So how you feel about your sex life is your, how healthy or not. So if your thoughts are like, it sucks, then, it's, then it sucks. sucks. Yeah. Okay. And you also have the power, like you were talking about with how you're thinking about your partner, how you're engaging with your partner, what kinds of thoughts you're having. Yeah. And so it's not about, I think there was an article and I think this is also where women or just people in general feel shame or badly where they're, you know, reading that you need to have it a certain amount of times. And that's, and I think, was it in your book that I read, so you know, cringy. you could have it twice a year, as long as you enjoying it, like that's healthy. Like yeah. that's great. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I get like, I get cringy. I get like mama bear on the people who are like, use it or lose it. Use it oh, or lose I read it. an article literally when I was researching, but it wasn't your stuff. And I was like, wait, this is the opposite of what Dr. Kasperson said. There's no data. There's, I, I went back and look, I actually did a podcast on this and, and the podcast has a good title. It's called um, Stop Gaslighting My Vagina. I love that. <laughs> because you should, oh, Did you do an art? You did a podcast? You should turn that into an article it. and post that. That would go so sure. viral. That's amazing. But it, the, it's basically somebody was selling something, which is how all of this starts, right? Uh, somebody was selling something and they were like, well, you know, use it or lose it. And I was like, okay, fine. Where's the data? Yes. Where's the trial where we where we started, we started, like just had sex three times a week and then we didn't ever. And then like anything happened to these people. There is no research. There is no data. 
There's one crappy gynecology study looking at, like, this is like, if you want to find that this is the one paper (laughs) on use it or lose it. The one paper is women came in for a gynecologic exam. These women had some atrophy issues and these women didn't have some atrophy issues. And it turns out the women who had, you know, better, we'll just say better vulvas for lack of terms, but like didn't have symptoms of atrophy and dryness tended to be more sexually active. Does that mean that sex prevents atrophy? No, No. it means that the people with atrophy weren't having sex because it hurts, right? There's no preventative data anywhere to shame and get all cringy on women of use it or lose it. Now, my like asterisk caveat is like, if you exercise, like it's probably easier to exercise. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like, you know, it might not hurt quite as much because like you're warmed up and you know how it works and it, you're not super awkward at the gym because you go to the gym a lot. Yeah. Like sex is a physical activity. So there is something to like, the more you do it, the more you're like, I know how to turn myself on. I know what positions are comfortable. I know how to have an orgasm. Like you're, if you're better at the activity or better at the activity. Yes. So yes. But should it like, I'll, I get cringy when it's like, well, you really should have sex three times a week in order to prevent atrophy, to keep your tone up, to increase your lubricant. There is zero data on that. Wow. And but it's just very out there. Yeah, that it is shamey. So much of this is so shamey. So let's talk about vaginal dryness. You just mentioned that. I'm sure that, you know, I think that's also part of perimenopause as well, but you know, maybe women have that. I don't know if there's a certain percentage of women. 80%. That... Okay. So that's so 80. not right. There you go. 80%. So that's 80% women. of, yeah, of women after, and I, I don't have perimenopause data on vaginal yeah. dryness, but it yeah. certainly does have, you can still be getting your period and have vaginal dryness and dryness with sex. It's That's, yes. a, that's a thing. Okay. But once menopause, so once you stop having your periods, um, 50 to 80% of women will have, it's called GSM now, genital urinary syndrome of menopause, which is a mouthful, but they didn't like the word, they didn't like the word atrophy. So they renamed it. And then also it helps explain like what's happening and why it's happening. So it's kind of a nice, a nicer name. GSM 50 to 80% of people, it's a progressive, I call it disease, like, but it will get worse um, over time if you don't treat it. And it's debilitating. Like people are like, What's so bad about a dry vagina? And I'm like, have you ever had dry eyes? It's actually horrific, right? Have you ever had a really dry mouth? It's actually horrific. And it's like, our tissues are moist so that the tissues can move and like you can ride a bike and the tissues can kind of move and be okay. And like, then it gets dry and then like the tissues get irritated and you can't really go on a walk. So even for not sexually active people, yeah, vaginal dryness can be, can be really uncomfortable. Okay, so- and I was going to ask about this later, but let's jump into it now, which is menopause and some of the symptoms that prevent maybe having good, fun, whatever, amazing sex to, <laughs> as yeah. it says, in, you know, what, so what, so what is going on there? And you even talked about, I'm going to read the term that's because I don't, I, and I'm probably not going to pronounce it correctly, but you talked about menopause and then it begins with a G. You're going to, you'll know what I'm talking about. Let's see. It's Jen. Gen- Geniturinary syndrome of yeah, menopause? G- general, yeah, GSM. 
Generally, oh, that's what it is. Okay. That's what it is. So, yeah. So when should we be like, at what point are you asking for estrogen cream or some, some sort of horm- hormonal therapy? Like, I think that's, women don't even know. Like, so the doctors no. may or may not have the information or the solution, right? Like you said, some people are prescribing wine and meditation or whatever, not anything helpful yeah. that's actually going to change it things. But I think if we know what to ask for, or we're aware of these terms, then we're more empowered when we go in and can have a, a better right. conversation. So can you just yeah. educate us? Like, is there a solution for the vaginal dryness? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a ton more and there'll be more and more on the market because menopause is actually a freaking big thing. It's 50% of all humans, like the market's huge and there's totally. not much for us. But so there are some over-the-counter products. They tend to, like the good ones tend to have hyaluronic acid in them, like moisturizers that really hold on to moisture. They're band-aids, meaning they're not going to reverse the reason why it happened, which is low estrogen. Yes. But they, they're comforting. They're safe. You know, they're, they're great products, but you're not going to fix the problem. Okay. Me- meaning I can't give you new healthy skin by putting hyaluronic acid on it, but I can make it feel better. Okay. Right? Yeah. If I want to actually give you a vulva that is resilient and has good collagen and has better blood flow, all good for orgasms and arousal, you know, and things like that is put the estrogen back. Okay. So how is that done though? Is that topical? Yeah. So it's a a prescription in America. It's a prescription. It just went over the counter in the UK, which is very, which is very cool. I don't see that happening anytime soon in the USA, but I bring that up because that tells you how stinking safe it is. Yes. If it's safe enough to be over the counter. Yes. And the the UK is like, listen, we are underwater with the national health service. We need to like stop having people come to the doctor to get this really safe stuff. Let's put it over the counter. Right. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. So it's just, I'm like, I love to think about it that way because yes. that just helps people. And I just did an Instagram post on this. I literally just got my vaginal estrogen, opened up the sheet that comes with it and, and highlighted all of the incorrect information about the vaginal estrogen that comes with it. And I tell my patients this, I'm like, I'm going to tell you it's totally safe. It doesn't cause any problems, doesn't cause cancer, doesn't cause clots, doesn't cause heart disease, doesn't cause dementia. And you're going to go and pick it up and it's all, it's going to say all that on there. Okay. And we can get into why it does that. But basically, it's wrong. We're scaring women unnecessarily. And again, I hear on Instagram all the time like, oh, I got vaginal estrogen from my doctor, but I read that pamphlet. And so then I was too scared to use it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're scaring, we're scaring people unnecessarily for an over-the-counter product that is just for skincare. Wow. It doesn't, it doesn't go into your body. So it is so low dose. It doesn't go into your body. Okay. um, So you can get a cream, you can get a pill, you can get a ring. I love the cream because you can put it on your vulva. Really that entrance at six o'clock of the vaginal vault gets really dry with penetration. It's notoriously ouchy spot and you can put the cream there. Whereas you just put a, you know, tab up in your vagina, it might not actually get on the skin. So I have, I have a cream bias. Um, and, but they're like, just start with something. Okay. And how, so this might be a dumb question, but that's why you're here. Cause I'm not going to be the no, only there's one. There's no dumb questions. questions. Okay. Um, so lube, you talk about lubrication in your book. Mm-hmm. And so we just talked about women with menopause. They can ask for the estrogen cream. Apparently the women in England are having an easier time with this. I actually have a friend who's British. And when she went back home just like a few months ago, she's like, all her friends were on hormone therapy, all of them. They all felt amazing. And 
it just was more just like natural. And so she started, she's the one who was like, wait, we need, you need to be asking, you know, the GYN. And I was like, this is what got my curiosity going. So cool. Yeah, it is cool. And it was great that she's talking about it too, because again, not everyone's going to be just talking about that. Yeah. Um, But what about lubrication? Just generally speaking, is you're a fan of that? Always. 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 Every time. And again, no shame if you're younger and there's no, right? Yeah. Um, the penis is not a self-lubricating organ. The vagina, uh, the clitoris is not a self-lubricating organ. These yeah. are our two organs of pleasure. Yeah. Right. Why are we relying on the vagina to lubricate all these other organs, especially when we haven't properly set up the vagina to do that? So much of penis and vagina sex is just putting something in the vagina. That's like the vagina is like, is this a tampon? Is this a penis? I don't know. I haven't had, I wasn't told to be turned on right now. Right. Like that's a thing. And so, you know, I saw two women in their early twenties in one week in my clinic for pain with sex. And I never asked, this is like things you get taught in med school. You don't say, do you use lube? Yes. You normalize it. And you say, you basically say, what type of lube do you use? Got it. Yeah. Cause you know, you know that's where you normalize it. And they're like, yeah. one of them was like, my boyfriend told me I shouldn't need to use lube. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, we think the younger generation has it figured out. Yeah. No, no. no. She's hurting with sex. He told her not to use lube and she made it all the way to a surgeon to figure this out. Like we have problems. Yeah. Yeah. She came to you to fix her. She thought she was broken. Yeah. And what she she was was doing, what she was doing was putting an unlubricated penis into an unlubricated vagina. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I actually thought, so this is my misunderstanding too. I actually did think it was an issue when you're older, not like more perimenopausal, menopausal. I didn't realize it was. So this oh, is again, why, yeah. why rely on, why rely on the vagina, especially when we need to pay attention to the clitoris to get her pleasure equal to his pleasure. Right. Yeah. If we're speaking in a heterosexual relationship, but the other thing to know on that science based is the arousal you have in your brain doesn't always correlate to how wet your vagina is. So you can be like, I am so turned on and I am so ready to put something in this vagina and it's dry. You need lube. And, and then you're like, the other thing is you can have a very wet vagina and you don't want to have sex at all. So that's basically like arousal, you know, moisture uh, discordance, or there's like an actual scientific term for this, meaning like, let's not trust the vagina to like be our only lube source. Gosh, it is a shame that we've learned about sex through Hollywood, isn't it though? You know what I mean? It's really, it is horrible. Like you watch the movie and see the couple and they're, like you said, both orgasming at the same time through um, penis and vagina sex, which you're going to tell us right now after, because I'm going to ask you about this the clitoris wasn't necessarily stimulated at all. So she actually didn't have an orgasm. And then they're like, that was amazing. Let's go again. Five seconds Mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. That's so messed up. It's fake. It's fake people. Like my best, (laughs) like my best favorite thing is like learning, learning how to have sex from Hollywood or porn is like learning how to, how to drive by watching the fast and the furious, which is a, if you don't, it's a car, it's a car (laughs) racing movie. Yeah. 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 I'm like, it's fun to watch, but it's all fake. And it's not like the real, the real rules of the road. But yeah, I mean, we've got studies showing that, you know, just using lubrication increases the chance that a a woman has an orgasm. Okay. Lubrication is good. It decreases pain. I love the silicone ones. I love the oil-based ones. They are not condom friendly, but for people who don't have condom concerns, they're just, they're luxurious. They're nice. They're not, they're not sticky and cold like the water ones are. What if somebody's sensitive or like chemically sensitive or sensitive skin? They're, they're... 
play around with it. Go, go. Lube is not that expensive. It's not that, so just go. Okay. You list a couple of your favorites in the book. So yeah. People I, I, list a, I list a couple in the book. Yeah. yeah, you do. Yeah. I under, as a friend was like having painful. People come to like, my office and I'm like, what, you know, what kind of lube do you use? And they're like, oh, the KY stuff, the stuff at Walgreens. And I'm just like, I'm so dramatic. I'm like, oh God. Oh. <laughs> they're immediately, I'm throwing that out. Yeah. I'll get I'm like, why, why? Like sex is the best thing in the world. Like at least yes. you know, get some nice stuff that feels awesome. Yes. Okay. I do think it's important because one of the things that I, like you repeated in the book and I was like, this is an important takeaway was about equalizing orgasmic pleasure. And you talked about don't have first, well, you can tell us about pleasing the woman first. And because the clitoris need, I want you to talk about the clitoris, pleasing the woman first, and then being at an eight. Yeah, if if you're Based not on your eight, book. if you're yes. if you're not an eight, don't penetrate. Yes, okay. I made, so I tell made us that about one up. that. Yes, I that, that. that might have come from that like twenty two year old girl who was having pain with sex. Got it. Stupid boyfriend told her not to use lube. Remember, remember, ladies, the men don't know more than us. No, they don't. They don't know more about our bodies than we do. Let's not give them that power. No, hundred percent. Okay, so in order for a woman to have an orgasm, her clitoris needs to be stimulated. Full stop. Right. Full stop. Now you're going to get like, this is what's so great about being in the, being in my niche is like, you're going to get the experts to be like, there's a, there's a vaginal orgasm and there's a cervical orgasm. And there's the orgasm you can learn to have while massaging your ear. Like you'll get to these orgasm expert type people. And I'm like, okay. I, I was doing a, I was doing a, like an evening talk with a great friend and she's like, I'm going to tell all the ladies the 17 different ways to have an orgasm. And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> Keep it like, simple. They're yeah. fine having one. Like, Correct. believe me, one is yes. great. Like, yeah. let's not go to the advanced thing all, all of a sudden. But yeah, like you can get all techie with it. But most people think that a vaginal orgasm, you're still stimulating the clitoris. So the clitoris is like a wishbone. It reaches in and hugs both sides of the vagina. In addition to being the clitoris little nub head that you can see in the clitoral body that goes up underneath the pubic bone. Yeah. So we don't see most of it. It loves vibration. It loves repetitive motion. It loves lubrication. And the more aroused the clitoris is, the, the clitoris has erectile tissue, just like the penis. Like mm. we're, we all have the same bodies or we're just re rearranged in different ways. Okay. So the more that our erectile tissue engorges with blood, that pushes the vaginal secretions into the vagina. Okay. So turning her on first before you put something into the vagina really decreases pain. In addition, when the vagina is turned on, so the, the vagina is like, oh, this is going to be sex. This isn't just going to be a tampon. Good to know. Like <laughs> the, the vagina will lengthen and it'll tip back. The uterus will tip back, getting the cervix out of the way. And so it's another thing of like when women are having pain with sex, it's like, is it a, is it because you're just not aroused? Is it because you're not using lube? Is it because you have dry skin from menopause? Is it because you have tight muscles? You know, there's so many different reasons for it. And that's why doctors really do like get, see somebody for pain with sex. But the simple stuff is like, are you fully aroused before you put something in the vagina? And are you using lube? Those would be the simple things to play with first. Perfect. I think that's so important. I was like, okay, this is so, it's so good. I mean, all of this, like I said, people should pick up the book. It's such a great education for so many things. I actually didn't know that the first woman that ended, uh, entered medical school was done. So on a, on a bet, they, the men didn't, I, I was like, what, that's true. What? 
This is crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. So much of this just makes me so angry, but this is why you're sitting here talking to us good, so that we can be educate what it has. I've always been a feminist like your mom. I've always, since I was a little girl, I'm like equal rights, equal everything. Um, Yeah. That's where I think that's what you were getting at before is, is the orgasmic inequality. Yes. Is like, well, the data on this is like, there isn't a woman you tell about this or a man for that matter. Right. Yeah. But like when you look at heterosexual paired couples, yes, the, it, it, let's, let's talk about all humans. Amongst all humans, the heterosexual male is having the most frequent orgasms in a paired sexual relationship. Okay. The least amount of orgasms is with the person who's with the most amount of orgasms. It's the okay. heterosexual yeah. female. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. prioritize male pleasure. We being society. Yes. Right. We prioritize and therefore the the women in it and the men in it. Yeah. Um, we prioritize male sexual pleasure. We say, and again, these are all like myths about sex. We say sex is done when he has an orgasm. Mm-hmm. It's like, fine, if that's what you want to say, make sure she has her orgasm first, but don't pressure her. Like if you pressure about sex, then that takes orgasms don't like that. Yes. Or <laughs> decide that like he's gonna keep trying to help her have pleasure once he's had an orgasm. He's fully capable of that. Of course. Just maybe not, maybe not with an erect penis. Yeah. I think, you know, let's be honest. There's something vulnerable just about being naked. Right. So, I mean, you just now, you know, and as women age and their bodies change and, you know, there's layers of shame, who knows what kind of past, like you said, there could be diagnosis of cancer. There's so many layers. So I'm taking away, communicate, communicate early before potentially there's issues. If you haven't start immediately Use your brain to cultivate that desire and don't expect it to be spontaneous. I mean, there's so many, we can do all that. You know, the clitoris is the key, you know, player in the game here for women's pleasure. And, um, you know, I just, there's so much more that I could ask you, but I think there's so much that we covered and I'd rather that, like everyone take that in. But is there something that I didn't ask today that you're like, okay, I do want to make sure I leave these women listening with? I think, you know, no, like you just summarized it perfectly. That's, that's full stop. That's everything. It's wonderful. But if you have like, a, if you have a sexual event and it wasn't great, like that's okay. And that's normal. Yeah. Like sex, like so, sometimes like you go to the gym and you're like, this workout kind of sucked. And I just, my head wasn't in it, but like, that doesn't mean I'm never going to work out again. It just means like, t- I was like, I was kind of off on Tuesday. Like let's, let's talk about it. Skip, let's get back in see what Thursday is going to be like. Like people are like, they're so hung up on like, oh, it was bad once. Oh, and you're like, then they don't want to do it again. Yeah. Like we have bad meals. doesn't mean we like are never going to cook again. Right. Of like, it's okay. Like, you know, Barry McCarthy does this amazing book, uh, Reclaiming Desire for Sexless mm. Marriages. It's very good for all genders. Very good book. Yeah. And he talked, he has this concept of good enough sex. And it's just this most beautiful idea of like, you know, good enough is wonderful for relationships. And like, if you keep the bar at good enough, like that's so much better than this like false sense of perfection and then feeling like you don't live up to having it be perfect all the time. Or like, you know, the other pressure thing, there's this new thing of like pressuring people to have orgasms. And it's like, you want to not have an orgasm, get pressured on it. And so as much as I want to have equality in orgasm equality, like Watch out for pressuring your partner to have to have an orgasm. It won't. It doesn't work very well. Or you're right. just going to get a lot of faked orgasms. <laughs> this is a whole other. 
issue. Um, what age would you talk to? Because I know you said you have a couple girls. I have a daughter. What age do you start talking to your children or teen? Like, what? How old are they when you when you start educating them and empowering them? What's yeah. So young, young with body parts. Okay. It's a, it's a vulva. Like Got even it. diaper, even diaper changing. Yeah. You know, and this is this is any gender of like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna wipe your scrotum now. I'm gonna wipe your vulva. Oh, you got a little bit of, of you know poop on your vulva. Let me let me get that clean for you. Mm. Just like it's a body part. Yes. We wipe that. Healthy, natural. 100%. Healthy and natural. Yeah. And then and then your kids can tell you, hey, mom, my vulva itches. Like they can tell you when something's wrong. Mm. Right. So it's it's a wonderful thing. So body part names just as soon as you know, they don't even need to be talking back to you, but like it's a vulva, not a taco. Yeah. <laughs> so. That would change so much if we started doing that just automatically. Mm-hmm. Right. And empowering yeah. young girls. Okay. And then yeah, in terms totally. of sex, in terms of sex, like age appropriate, what they're, you know, what they're bringing home. The best advice that I've heard is like 31 minute conversations instead of one 30 minute conversation of like, keep it short. Oh, interesting. 31 do- minute conversations. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like keep it short. Their attention spans are short and they might, you know, you're like, oh my God, they're asking me. And they're like, then they're like squirrel, you know, right. like totally. they're, they're coming in. They're basically seeing how you're responding. Yeah. Right. And if you are the person that they can go to as the resource, you're going to be the person they get the information from. If they realize like mom and dad get squirmish and they dismiss me and I'm not getting any info from them, they're going to get info from the movies and porn and friends. And it's way worse than the info that they can get from you. Yeah. Yeah. And we know how that goes. Then this is why you wrote your books. (laughs) Yeah. Because the 22 year olds don't have it any better than us right now. Like we need to keep helping the younger people. Yeah, there's so much dysfunction in this area. And so I'm so grateful to you for your work, your commitment to educating. You're a surgeon by day, podcaster by, I don't know, weekends. I don't know when you do that, but um, thank you for all the time and everything. Where can people um, connect with you and learn more about you and, and your program that you have? Yeah, thanks. So the the books on Amazon um, or any you know, local bookseller should be able to get it from the local book so- bookstore places. Um, Kelly Casperson MD is the website. They can learn about the membership, the private podcast. And then I have most of my fun on the podcast, You Are Not Broken, and Instagram, which is Kelly Casperson MD. Perfect. And all of the show notes for today will be over at thegoodlifecoach.com and you'll be able to find all of those links. And I would say for this interview specifically and in general, but specifically this one, if it empowered you, if you learned something, share it right now. Just send it to a friend. Let them get educated. Um, yeah, this is a natural, beautiful part of, you know, being a human, right? And I'm grateful for 21 years and still thinking my husband's hot. Like, I mean, yeah. I am grateful. Um, but, you know, I think that there's all all these things that we can do to improve and really enjoy our love lives. So thank you so much for your work, Dr. Casperson, and being here today. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review 
if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.